But anyway, thank you, Zach. And uh, just kind of want to continue in that spirit of, of sons and daughters of the living God, your words from heaven. Uh, but first, I do, I, I, you know, I want to, I want to welcome the kids up here. Uh, kids, if y'all will come up. Come on up. I have a little verse for you guys that um, is actually... I'm going to let you read it. You want to read it? You sure? I don't want to force you. All right. It's Ephesians 2.10. Can you? It's a pretty small print for me, but you got better eyes than I do. So right there. So just read from there all the way to that end part. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for God works, which God prepares beforehand that we should walk in them. Excellent. Y'all hear that? You're created for God works. The, the scripture says good works, but happy mistakes are usually the works of the Spirit. Uh, so while we're doing good works, they're God works. But what I really wanted to emphasize to you guys was that word workmanship. Do you know what that means? What about you, Abby? Do you know what it means? I understand that. Zeke, you got an idea of what workmanship might mean? It's a weird word. Samuel, you got any ideas? Coming together? What about you, Phineas? Yeah. What, what was it? People working together? <clears throat> It's a, that's a part of it. It really is. But we are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. It means masterpiece by some people's definition. That when God had it in his imagination, Cohen Culbertson, he said, I've got a masterpiece in mind. Do you know what that means? Have you ever heard a song you really liked? What about a piece of art that you think, wow, that's really cool? Or a car. My kids like cars. I mean, if a Tesla drives by, my whole car goes crazy. I'm like, it's a Tesla. I mean, do you know what a Tesla is? Yeah. You do. My. Oh, nice. So Uncle Paul had a masterpiece of a convertible that he let you ride around in. A masterpiece is something that's beautiful that just causes you to be like, man, that's awesome. And so when God saw you, he said, man, that's awesome. And he saw you and he said, man, that's awesome. And he said that for you and you and you. And he saw that for every one of us. He said, that's my masterpiece. That's my workmanship. And so that's what I wanted y'all to know tonight is that you guys are all masterpieces in God's eye. And what's really fun to me is he's not done painting and shaping 
and making you into that full masterpiece that he's designed you to be. So that's it. What I want y'all to do tonight, I've got a task for you. I want you to tell three people. You can do it now. You can do it before you go to bed. But tell three people you're God's masterpiece. Okay? Like I said, you can do it in here or you can do it later. I don't care. But three people tonight, all you got to do is say you are God's masterpiece. Y'all can do that? Good. All right. Y'all go have a seat. Thank you, guys. You're God's masterpiece. All right, guys. I'm going to, I don't have much in the way of announcements, but I know Tim said he had an announcement. uh, And if anybody else has one, they can follow after Tim. So this coming week, March 14th, week from tonight, we are going to have a um, sort of a special send-off for the Halberts. We, we are in the midst right now of the Wilmore Waltz. If you've lived here as long as, well, no, I don't think anybody's lived here as long as I have, let's just be honest, 52 years. Um, it's crazy. Um, there's this thing that happens in Wilmore, and Matthew alluded to that earlier this evening. Um, people coming and going and all these kinds of things. And it's, um, it's just one of the facts of life for many different reasons, part of which is the institutions where people come in and spend their time and get educated and then leave. Uh, sometimes they stay. But the bottom line is there's this sort of rhythm to Wilmore, and we're right in the midst of that right now. And so uh, I have some more to say about that here in just a moment. But next Sunday, we are going to specifically be sending them out. And I know that there are several others through the, our group here, actually quite a number, they are going to be doing that as well. And we're going to do that as well in weeks that are coming. Okay, But this coming week, we're going to be specifically uh, talking about the Halberts. And um, as part of that, after our dwelling time we're going to have a potluck uh those of you who came to the movie presentation we're going to be back out i believe that's correct it's back out there correct in the same building out in Cowles village and we're just going to get together and share and fellowship and bring your best and just look forward to a good time of uh, fellowship together so that's going to be next week and i'm sure there will be more information coming about that uh, through Facebook and texts and so forth, email maybe. But bottom line is that is coming this coming week. Now, back to the Wilmore Waltz, if you will. Uh, I was just thinking about that during our worship time. I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. I just wanted to share um, because the Wilmore Waltz was my idea, but the Lord said, no, it's more of a square dance. <laughs> and I had to smile because if... If you knew Wilmore back in the early 70s, anything with the word D-A-N-C-E and it was just like evil. But nonetheless, this is what I felt. And the Lord is this, it's this coordinated thing where you've got, you've got the person who calls the dance and he gives directions and all, you never know who you're dancing with and it's, it's, it's a square dance. That's it. That's what it is. And the Lord's calling the, the instructions. We don't know who we're going to dance with. We don't know how long we're going to dance. People come in, they come out. 
and that's where we are. And um, I felt like also I was supposed to share with you that during that time, during the dance that happens, we're not just supposed to sort of skitter through. We're supposed to plant our roots and grow where we are for the time that we're here. It's an important time, and it's a blessing from the Lord. But we don't just not put down roots because we don't think we're going to be here that long. I never expected to be here this long, honestly. When I graduated from high school, I couldn't get out of Wilmore, couldn't wait to get out of Wilmore. Well, here we are, and uh, you just never know. But bottom line is, I just, that analogy just came to my mind. I felt like I was supposed to share that with you. The Lord has purposes in all of this, and as we come into contact with others during the square dance, things happen. He brings us together in different ways, different patterns for different purposes in different seasons. And so we're going to be saying goodbye to some people. It's not easy to do, but it's been a blessing to have all of you here during this time and uh, know that there are amazing things yet to come. It's good, Tim. Thank you. Uh, And that kind of kicks off. Does anybody else have any announcements? Don't want to. Yeah, we go. I don't want to preach, but I can. <laughs> but I, um, I just thought before we get to more spiritual things to let you know. For I know some of you do know, but in about nine days I'll be leaving for Africa. I'll be gone for six weeks. I'll be preaching in different places. God willing, I'll be, I'll, I'll go to Uganda for a mission and many different places if uh, there'll be enough funds to do all that and more. So I, I thank God for the opportunity. I just wanted to let you know that I, when you see Chris alone, <laughs> I will not be in the house. I'll just be gone. I, for those who will be leaving when I'm gone, I love you all, and God bless you. Thank you, Sue. I'm excited about this trip. I know it's been a long time coming. Um, so do be praying for Sue and for Chris. Uh, okay. Any other announcements? Tonight we are doing uh, just, uh, well, at least I want to give you opportunity to share. Um, and we vote whatever's on your heart. If God has put a word in your heart, then I want you to come and share it. If you've got a testimony, this, this always needs to be a, a place where testimonies come out. Don't reserve your testimonies, period. Uh, but, but especially not in the house of God. We need the testimonies. Uh, some of us need encouragement. Some of us need our faith to be both challenged and stretched by testimonies. Um, and so if you've got testimonies, uh, we want to hear that. If God's given you insight, I want to hear it. If you got prayer requests, 
needs. Uh, but we just want to give space to you guys tonight uh, to, to share if, if stuff's burning. Uh, so just want to open it up for that. So the danger of saying, Lord, if you give me an opportunity to preach this, I will preach it, is that sometimes he gives you that opportunity. <laughs> so um, I just, you know, I, over the past four years of being at seminary, um, I was talking with uh, Tim about this a little bit before prayer, um, just about coming to seminary and being called here very specifically. I, I came to Asbury because the Lord asked me to. And that was my only reason for coming. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to um, let this springboard me into a PhD and just move on with my life um, and not put down roots and not make friends and have family. And, you know, just that was that was my plan, but that wasn't his. Um, and I'm hard of hearing. So it took about two years of my seminary career to pass me by before um, I really started to lean into what the Lord wanted to teach me. Um, and through books and people and songs and all kinds of other things, the Lord started just kind of impressing upon me that there is more to what he had for me to learn at in Wilmore than um, just what I was learning in the classroom. And so I decided that I was going to stop focusing so much on academics and start being more open to learning from him in other ways. Um, and in that time, um, I realized through one of my classes that I had not been a good steward of myself, um, that God has given us our bodies, God has given us our time, um, just blessed me with everything that I had, brought me to the school that I was in, everything. And um, I just, I was through a, through a weird season of trying to relearn what that was all about, um, started engaging in personal training and, and getting fit and trying to figure out how to steward my body, as well as learning how to steward each other, the church. Um, just realizing that I was... I was passing by really awesome people every day and not investing and not getting to know them and not leaning into the community aspect of the church. And so, like, um, for me, I, I moved around a lot. I never really put down any roots anywhere. Friends were very temporary. And um, I just, it's counterintuitive for me to make friends. Um, that will last for very long. And so when God started pushing this community aspect of Christian faith, I was like, whoa, 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 what, what, what is this? I'm not ready for that. Um, but just um, seeing it modeled well and uh, living it out and then learning that, learning that Jesus is Lord of even that, of our friendships and of the people that we pass by every day. Um, that is something that I needed God to teach me and to grow me in. Um, and so I, I find myself at the end of these four years 
not looking anything like I did when I came. And that is by the grace of God, because through being here, through learning what it is to be an incarnational disciple, um, to, to have bodies that we are to steward, to have time that we are to steward, um, to have friendships that we're to steward, I just began to really meet God and know his character for who he actually is, rather than the constructed, very academic idea I had of God. God isn't a bunch of rules. God is a person, and we have a relationship with him. He's blessed us with what we have. Um, And just learning to say Jesus is Lord of everything that we do and everything that we have um, has been I don't know, just learning that he is Lord really changes everything, <laughs> changes me, changes life, changes everything. So um, I just, when when Matthew said, all right, if anybody's got a testimony, don't hold back. And I was like, oh, I promised. <laughs> so there it is, guys, um, which, you know, I want to urge you guys, if if you have something that the Lord has done in you, please share because it's a blessing to all of us. It's a blessing to the entire community. So please. Thank you, Rachel. Masterpiece. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, he's still working on me. Who else? Trenton. Zach, do I see you moving in the queue? Oh, good. All right. I like it. We got a queue going. When uh, Matthew shared um, the, uh, the verse earlier, I am doing a new thing. <clears throat> now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I was like, yeah. I said, that sounds like I said, where is that? And I just was like, got to find that. And, and I totally like... Isaiah is a big book, so that I found it, I think is God wanted me to find it. Because I actually, like, while I was, like, skimming stuff, got distracted and I actually missed it. And then he brought me back to it. So, But uh, I take that as a, the, the context, he's actually talking, a couple verses earlier says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. It's like referring to the Red Sea crossing. And uh, his his promise uh, of doing a new thing is is rooted in his character, and, and it's rooted in what he what he's done. And and uh, I th- I just love that that um, the things we may wait for, or the things we the promises God gives us, he's it's not just like when someone says, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll do this thing for you." And we have no idea because we don't know them that well. We don't know what their history is like. When the Lord says, hey, I'll do this thing for you, well, he's got thousands of years of history of doing amazing things for us. And uh, and so that, that's just really encouraging for me because um, right after it says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And for like the majority of my adult life, I f- feel like I live in the desert. Just like barren wastelands of my soul, just dry and empty, and just crying out. And uh, 
And this is what he does. He, he brings forth water from the rock for his people to drink. And uh, so I'm just kind of like sharing this with you as a like proclamation of faith. This is what God does. And, and I can cling to that. And I may not always um, perceive it. <laughs> but I can trust that, yes, he is good and he sustains me. And, uh, and he is a God of breakthrough. I have experienced breakthrough in the past where I have been in uh, really difficult seasons and he's come through in like dramatic ways. And I know that he can and I believe he will do that again. Because um, he is a good father. Thank you, Trenton. It's powerful. Zach? Hmm? Oh. I don't want to add. Um, I feel like I was really relating to Rachel's um, testimony. I almost came, but it's almost like the opposite in a way. Like I often am doing my schoolwork and I'm like, don't invest yourself in that because you'll get emotional and then like not accomplish anything. Like that's my personality. Like if I care about my assignments, I'll like try to put too much of myself in it and then I'll like get perfectionistic and it's, it's like that's a waste of my time. <laughs> um, so recently I was working on an assignment for a theology class um, and I was doing that thing where I was like, yeah, don't pick the topic that you would want to write about because you'll like get really emotional and then you'll like make a bad grade because you tried too hard. Weird things happen with me. Uh, <laughs> so I picked something that I was like, oh, I can be kind of like objective about that and just get it done. Um, and so I was following this like theme through the whole bible to write for the paper and i got to it was basically talking about the temple and i got to and i got to revelation and i was working through revelation and you know i know that well enough so it's kind of just like plugging things in like to finish the paper but it really struck me at the end because i followed the temple all the way up to revelation 21 I mean, and I just followed it through most of the Bible, right? And then it disappears because the New Jerusalem comes down, the bride of Christ, and it says we don't need a temple because it is the temple. It's the temple of the, of the creation. Um, and it really hit me in a fresh way when that when I was doing that because I it's probably because I was so kind of like sleepy minded doing. It. I was just like, yes, yes, Bible, 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 Bible. Whoa, what? Because that was actually the story I would have talked about if I thought that I was going to write with my heart. That's what ministered to me about it. It was like I had started the paper going, well, I could never write a paper about the bride of Christ because I'll probably get all emotional. And then that my other paper ended up where I had to argue, like, no, the, the, the proper reading of this theme is to put a period on it and say and start reading the bride of christ and to go back and see what you missed for the whole story before um and what i was right i had to do a reflection on that reflection later um <laughs> i know seminary is like so meta right <laughs> um <laughs> so i was writing about what a blessing that experience was because God has used, so I walked into my theology class kind of like not interested because I often run into seminarians talking about theology and it's like, you know, 
dry and it's like politics but christian is how i felt about it um so i went in kind of just like it's going to be one of those things where like two people anyway i'm getting way too much into the point is um i was so i've been so amazed the whole semester because god has shown me how rich he's made me when i wasn't going off looking for smart smart christiany stuff um and and that's kind of my encouragement to you trenton is that like things like realizing that we're the bride of christ some of the real messages that have brought us together in this room um they're actually really precious um treasures that just in that verse you were reading have not been revealed to the world yet have not been revealed to the world of that seminary in certain ways um and for me it was so it was so encouraging to go i didn't spend my time trying to be the smartest student in god's class and he was so merciful to me just to throw that message of the bride of christ into my life and i spent years on it thinking i was just being like some like esoteric person like i totally took it like i'm just this weird quirky niche personality that's all um so i guess the point that i'm getting at is that i think god wants to show us how um he is enriching us for the kingdom now um and the sacrifices that we're making now are actually part of that wealth and that privilege that it those things will be garments and um adornments and i guess i just said the jewel in my crown thing but like there's something even deeper than that um and we're and and i think that the call i'm trying to say is um god wants us to to recognize that and to sit um with him in 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 how rich he is and how much of a inheritance we have from his presence it's good zach thank you anybody joseph no you're okay Hey, uh, good to see y'all. Hi. Um, I watched a teaching last night and this morning on on Daniel from like one of my favorite Bible teachers. And I think Trenton's a fan too. His name is Joel Richardson. Just love this guy. Just years ago when I used to, when I was driving trucks and listening to the audio Bible over and over and I'd go back to these prophet prophetic passages and all through the prophets really in the Psalms and um, just think about it, you know, and then uh, started finding different Bible teachers that I connected with and was learning from. And, and this guy is like, I, I just really uh, appreciate his perspective. And, but uh, I had the privilege of uh, studying Aramaic last semester. And so Daniel two through seven is written in aramaic you know most of the old testament is in hebrew and then about half of daniel about half of ezra is in aramaic 
So it's like uh, if you take, if you think of uh, how Spanish and Portuguese are to each other, that's kind of like Hebrew and Aramaic. So they're very similar, but they're different languages. And so uh, I just pulled out my, you know, Hebrew Aramaic texts again today, and I just, I, I guess my testimony is that. Um, well, since I was a little kid, I've had this fascination with God's Word, and it's just grown, and I've had this privilege and honor of being able to learn the languages of the Bible, and then when I read the Bible in those languages, it's like it even comes alive even more, and I've learned from our old, our old church, they had, they would talk about how different people connect with God in different ways, and some of and you know we might have a two or three ways but some is through like corporate worship some is through acts of service through nature and then for me one is study and one is solitude or simplicity and then there's there's several others and uh so it's like wow you know like my wife Genevieve she definitely connects with God through like corporate worship and um and so I love to see that I love to go with her to a like a worship event and i mean i'll participate and i i it's important to me too but i really see how she just her spirit awakens in a different way so that's like how i feel when i'm reading the bible especially in these languages these ancient languages but i just wanted to read something to you from daniel 7 and talk about it a minute so uh in daniel 7 so that the Aramaic section of Daniel is really interesting because it starts with uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this statue he had, if you might remember, had a gold head, silver chest and arms, bronze uh, abdomen and, and thighs, and then uh, iron legs, and then the feet were iron mixed with clay. And then, so that's chapter two, and then, I'm pretty sure it's chapter two, and then in chapter 7, you have Daniel's vision and dream. Well, he had a dream, and then in the dream, I think that's the one where he had a dream, and then in the dream he had a vision. And it was these four beasts, which represent four kingdoms. And so both of them, both of these dreams were prophetic about kingdoms that would come on the earth and then culminating in the, the last day's kingdom, which would be like an ultimate oppressor really especially of the people of israel and of believers and um but then it reaches this climax in both in both dreams right when things are at their worst then the messiah comes and so in the first one he comes as a, a stone that was comes out of the mountain and smashes the feet of that statue and shatters all those kingdoms and then in the in chapter seven he it's like right when he's talking about this fourth beast, it says, uh, let me, let me turn the page here. So in, in Daniel 7, 8, he just talked about the, the, the four beasts and then he says, I considered the horns because the, the fourth beast had 10 horns. He says, I considered the horns and behold, There came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So this is the the um, the final uh, world 
leader who uh, is often called like the Antichrist, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness in Second Thessalonians, says in verse 9, Daniel 7, 9, and so this is what's really interesting to me. It's right in the middle of talking about this, and then it, it shifts. It says, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Fiery flames. His throne was fiery flames. I read that in the, I can read that in the Aramaic now. It's crazy. Like, I read it in the Aramaic and it's like, whoa, fire. You know, it is like this, even the word structure, for some reason it hits me in a different way. Like, fire of flame, or is throne, fire, flames, and it has like, the verb isn't even spelled out. You just understand from how the language works. His throne was, was flames of fire. Wow. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, this little horn that came up at the end. The beast was killed, its body was destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And then here comes the Messiah. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, Messiah is Jesus. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Malkut, Malkute Malkut Alam, it says in Aramaic. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away. His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So I'm going to flip over to Mark. Mark 14. Jesus is on is on trial. He's been betrayed. He's standing before the Jewish court, the Jewish Sanhedrin, the elders. And uh, Jesus isn't answering the charges that are made against him. The high priest in Mark fourteen sixty, the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, "Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you?" He remained silent, and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So that's, Jesus just quoted Daniel 7. This, you know, Messiah who's not only a man, but he's actually, it says he reaches, it says in Aramaic, he reaches unto the Most High. That was part of what was so shocking about this vision. So I just wanted to share that because, um, I don't know, I mean, it never gets old talking about Jesus and his coming, but also because, uh, to me, it's a reminder that in this passage in Daniel, like right in the middle of talking about the worst crisis time, which, 
you know, we're going to need these passages. That's what one of the, this teacher was telling, Bible teacher was talking about. Like, we need to know these passages because when we get, you know, into difficult times, we need to be reminded, you know, when things are at their darkest, when thing, when they're at their worst, that's when the vision shifts and he sees the ancient of days. His throne is a flame of fire. His judgment is the one that will stand in the end. And then the Messiah comes. So That's rich, Joseph. Thank you. I love it. I one time had a friend say, I don't know what the big deal about Revelation is. It's just a lot of Daniel repeated. And I thought, well, that makes both of them pretty cool to me. Uh, so I appreciate you kind of bringing Daniel into uh, some some New Testament context. That's, that's really rich. Who else? All right, Rachel. Yeah, I guess what I have to share kind of connects a little bit with Trenton and maybe Joseph too or something. But I, uh, I think it was one day last week, I was just feeling really depressed. <laughs> and I was just thinking... Like, I was just kind of praying, and I realized, like, wow, I think I've really been depressed for a really long time. Like, um, you know, kind of up and down, or it's looked different ways. But, like, wow, I've really been living in a lot of depression for a long time. And no wonder I'm so tired and and stuff, and just kind of thinking about that and um, kind of... I don't know. And also, I don't really like talking about it because I hate it when people tell me ideas of what I should be doing. <laughs> and, um, but uh, just reflecting on different things, I, I realized that, you know, through certain seasons of my life, I've definitely feel like I've felt kind of failed by God because especially in charismatic circles, I think we really have this idea of like that we should feel as light as a feather and, you know, just be like really joyful and, you know, just like not have any kind of heaviness in our lives. And um, and I think there is some truth to that, but I think there's also some untruth to that at the same time. Um, and that so kind of my expectations on how God should be helping me in my life are actually not really accurate a lot of the time I think and so times where I felt like God has failed me I think that um, I've just been looking at it with the wrong perspective um, and um, not that he doesn't want to like I don't know help me in different ways but uh, I was thinking like just now about how I think so much more of life is about endurance than we realize like we think you know, maybe we think more like kind of when we're following God, it should be like we're running a race and we just like feel really good. Like just like it doesn't even hurt to run, but like running does hurt and like climbing a mountain does hurt. And it's like it's sort of fun sometimes, you know, it sort of feels it sort of feels good, you know, get your heart rate moving and stuff. But it also it's just not it's just hard too, especially if you're good. <laughs> 
like the really good run like people often like throw up when they're done and stuff. <laughs> um and I was just thinking about how uh how God has provided me with endurance like through all the hard times like the the thing that matters when we die is that we're still following God and that that's like the top of the mountain the the mountain we're hiking up is following God and the goal is to keep following him and um the goal isn't necessarily to die feeling like super happy although that's great but it's to die in love with Jesus um and so as I was just kind of picturing like the analogy of like hiking up a mountain I realized like looking back how God has just given me given me a lot of like sips of water and a lot of snacks and I've been pregnant or breastfeeding for the majority of six and a half years so snacks are really important to me (laughs) like I literally eat like 10 times a day every day um and like sips of water are also really important and just how even in those years where I felt kind of like God failed me sort of like I was like trying to reach out to him but I still didn't I still felt not good and stuff how he did provide the sips of water and the snacks so that I could keep hiking and didn't stop and didn't give up and um and another thing is I uh I, I have like dreams all the time. Like half of you have been in weird dreams I've had. <laughs> but <laughs> I had a, a dream the other night that dwelling people were in it and stuff like that. Um, but I, it was like a, a good dream, even though it wasn't, it wouldn't be, sound like necessarily happy if I described it, but it was like a good dream. Um, because I guess God was at work in the dream. And when I woke up, the lyrics of, a spontaneous song I had heard were in my head, and they were, um, if if you're carrying a burden and it's feeling too heavy, you're either carrying it wrong or it didn't come from him. And that's just really stuck with me because I think sometimes if we're carrying a burden, you know, we can feel like, oh, this isn't, this must not be from God because it's too heavy. But sometimes burdens that feel too heavy are actually burdens we're supposed to carry, but if it feels too heavy, we're just carrying it wrong. Kind of like if you're backpacking, there's a you can carry your backpack the right way or the wrong way, um, and you know it really makes a big difference to like use your buckles the right way and make sure that your straps aren't like tugging down your shoulders and all this stuff. Like you can when you go backpacking, you go and you buy a backpack and you figure out how to wear it. Because if you wear it the wrong way, it's just too much. Um, and how it's like we have things that God gives us to carry in our life. But if it's just too heavy, then it's either not from God and we can reject it or we're just we're carrying it wrong. And that I think that's something that God wants to teach me is like not that he wants to take away everything that I struggle with, but that he can help me to carry it better and that I can just be more thankful for the snacks and the sips of water as I climb the mountain of life. <laughs> That's strong, Rachel. I love it. Reminds me of an event recently. I'm anti-throwing up, by the way, so I will never be good, apparently. But uh, 
Anybody else? All right. I've been sitting there since he first said, is there something burning in your heart? And I was like, well, <laughs> my heart's burning, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, <laughs> which happens to me a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> so during the worship time, the first couple of songs were really reminding me of my childhood. And um, I feel like God started just kind of showing me the things he's taken me through. And it kind of went along with what Rachel was saying, just the, I was kind of overwhelmed with how consistent he's been and how constant he's been through so many things that have felt really hard in so many seasons when I just wanted to give up. But when I look back and I look where I'm at now, I'm not the same person. Um, I was, I was kind of thinking back the things that he's replaced were taken away from me over time or delivered over time and it was things that I wanted him to deliver me from immediately <laughs> and it took years um, and some were still in process but there's been so much progress um, and so he was kind of showing me some things um, how he's really dealt with self-hatred in me and fear and the fear is still there a little bit, you know. But it's like, it's so much better. I feel like a different person. And he was just reminding me of, like, the things he's put in me now. Like, he's put confidence there instead. Um, he's put strength and endurance and perseverance. Um, and just that now I'm thinking about stepping out again and trying something new. And um, basically leaving everything that I, like, am familiar with. <laughs> And, um, but that even in that, he's like, see, you've, you've trusted me through all these things in the past. Like, you're just gonna, it's just a new season of trusting me in a different way. Um, different details, but he's the same. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all I wanted to share. <laughs> so, that he's been very, very faithful. And I'm just thankful for that reminder tonight of what he's brought me through. Amen. Thank you, Krista. Powerful. Anybody else? All right. Well, I've got a message for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I do have something I want to share and kind of close with. It's not long at all. Uh, but... Uh, of course, I didn't know what, you know, sometimes we open the mic and you got two people and that's just, that's how it goes. That's how the Spirit goes, honestly. And then sometimes we open it up and the the richness of God's work just starts flowing and I love it. Um, and I just come back to workmanship. We are His workmanship. Masterpieces throughout this house. Uh, I think we heard that tonight. Just masterpieces. Um uh, and if you go a little further in Ephesians, uh, to Ephesians 2.19, um, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I just felt impressed to bring a reminder to this house that the uh, the vision statement of dwelling ministries is uh, to welcome the presence of God to permeate every part of society. Jesus brings mercy, restoration, ri- righteousness, joy, and freedom. And we want Him to invade all areas of our lives and transform the cultures in which we live. Wanted to 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 really just uh, reinforce who we are. Uh, Ephesians talks about how we are, um, again, his workmanship and that building theme goes forward to say he is building us together. Um, we're having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, that's us, guys, we're being incorporated into this whole building, being fitted together. I mean, it's just, it just, I love it when one person after another is weaving a story of the Spirit, uh, so that we can be, uh, so that we can grow into a holy temple in the Lord. Uh, we're being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Um, I, I just think that's what God it continues to do in this place. Is He pieces us together. And I just felt like the Lord was impressing upon me. We're not a bunch of uh, just bricks that are mass-produced and all look the same and are just stacked one on another. But instead, there's this real fitting together. I'm reminded of uh, one of my teachers talked uh, about working with your hands and how he loves the old uh, stone walls of Kentucky. Uh, these are these are things, okay? If you're not from here, the walls, stone walls of Kentucky are a thing. Uh, they're just not a decorative choice. Um, but he was saying how the old stone walls have craftsmanship behind them that there is actual intention of taking a raw piece of rock and just fitting it together in ways that really make a, a solid wall, a stable wall. And I was really thinking about that, how we are like those stones, that we're all different, but with the, with the craftsmen of the universe working upon us and working among us, He's taking us as individual stones and he's saying, how can these fit together? How can I position this one just right so that it sits with that one so that there is a, we don't even need, I don't need the extra mortar to hold this thing together because I know how to fit things together such that it works well. And that's what dwelling ministries is a lot about. Is God takes these individual unique stones that are each one of us. These stones that He's like, there's another one of my masterpieces. Oh, that's my workmanship, workmanship all over that. And He's like, and I think with my workmanship in that one and my workmanship in this one, if I then start putting those two pieces together, then I can actually start building a 
temple or a house where my presence can come and dwell. That's what he's been working on. And that's what he continues to work on. And so that's my encouragement to you guys tonight. Hear what was shared tonight. Powerful testimonies of how God has changed people. How God reveals Himself. How God has sustained us just over and over and over again. And He's taken these collective stories of His workmanship, of His masterpiece making, and He says, and now I'm bringing you together because individually your stories are creating a collective narrative of what I'm doing and what I want to bring forth in this community. So that when my presence comes and dwells among you, I continue to shape you that you begin to change the cultures that you're living in or that you're going to. You don't think Sue's going to make a difference when she hits that continent? You don't think Krista's going to? You don't think Trenton and Rachel are going to? Rachel? I mean, all of us. The cultures that we're about to step into, what a fun tale God is, is, is crafting together. So I just want to bless y'all with that encouragement. I just want to say thank you to everybody who shared. Testimonies are powerful. Testimonies speak of who God is, speak of what He's doing. Uh, they're not just an opportunity for us to give somebody a shot at the mic. It's not just a chance for us to hear a different voice, but it's actually breathing life into this body that we can then go out and breathe life into other people. So I just thank y'all for sharing. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, if you would like some ministry by prayer or anything like that, you know we that's what that's another key part of what this house is about, and we we're welcome. I welcome it, and others do as, as well. But uh, if you will, just bow your heads with me, Father. We thank you for tonight. I thank you that your Spirit speaks. That you've given us liberty in this place to trust you to just take our hands off and let You come to the front to rise up on the stage and to speak what You want to speak, that You would be uh, the arbiter of truth, that Jesus would be glorified and the Father be praised, that Your Word would be released and revealed. I thank You that You do Your work in this place and we can rest in You. I pray a blessing over everyone in this house. Lord, I pray uh, that You would just affirm them as Your masterpiece. And that You would continue to show us how You are fitting us together to be that building in which You inhabit, in which You dwell. And I pray for dwelling ministries that You will continue to build and piece together and that You would continue to dwell among us. And so, Lord, we praise Your name in this place. Give us Your grace to walk in You from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen, you guys. Thank you. Be blessed.